This is Press Publish, a weekly conversation about journalism, technology, and the media business, where we talk with the people building the future of news. I'm Josh Benton, director of the Neiman Journalism Lab at Harvard, and this is episode four. My guest this week is Trey Brundrit. Trey is VP Product and Technology at Vox Media, which is the company that produces the sports site SB Nation, the technology site The Verge, and the video game site Polygon. I am a big, big fan of Vox. In the online journalism media world, there are a lot of people who have high ambitions for producing large amounts of high-quality work, and there are a lot of companies who've attracted VC money because they think they can be highly profitable. But frankly, there aren't a whole lot of companies that fit into both categories, and Vox is one of them. They are innovators on the advertising side, they're doing really interesting things with long form, and they're always thinking of ways to build and use better technology. Now, Trey's been with Vox for almost five years, which is before it was even called Vox, and he was just named to the Ad Week 50, which is uh, what the magazine calls its list of people who make the machinery of media, marketing, and technology hum. He was only number 50, but hey, room to grow. We talked about Vox's history and ambitions, how it's trying to use technology to produce better content, and how it's been able to quickly build up properties that are, in the words of its COO, very profitable. Here's our conversation. Uh, well, you are Vice President of Product and Technology at Vox Media. I suspect there are a lot of people listening to this who probably aren't familiar with what a product, uh, product job really entails. What what exactly do you do? Well, um, you know, we're... It's it's evolved. It's evolved rapidly since um, I started doing this. Um, but um, you know, I mean, most recently, it's 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 been about really organizing our team um, to be really effective at you know building our products. And um, you know, so we've we've just recently kind of reorganized ourselves for 2013, been doing a lot of planning for this year. Um, and we're really, this is kind of an exciting year for us because we've, um, organized ourselves in a way where we have teams focused on, you know, each of our kind of big properties, um, you know, pretty, I don't know, you know, a, a good sized team for each, each property, um, cross-functional teams, um, for, you know, SB Nation, The Verge, Polygon, and uh, and then a focus team on our platform uh, that we call Chorus, and 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 then a and then a whole team for advertising, um, and then operations and systems. So I kind of oversee all of those teams, and um, and then really you know I, my job is to um, you know evolve Chorus, you know really kind of to to keep making that platform innovative. And, um, you know, and ultimately at the end of the day, my job is, is really about helping us grow, helping us, um, uh, you know, help, uh, helping these properties grow, um, you know, helping us make money. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really about like creating really great, um, user experiences and, you know, kind of being, um, focused on creating that. So when you say your team, how big of a team are we talking about? What what scale has has the product team or the technology team reached now? Yeah, it's um it's grown quite a bit. I mean, we doubled in size last year. Um we're uh just about up to 40 people on our team. And um you know, and that like I said, that includes um you know, design and um programmers and you know, operations engineers and um and our support uh, managers as well. 
But that doesn't include the editorial teams for any of the sites, right? No, no, it doesn't include editorial. Um, yeah, this is just just the product and technology and kind of design folks. Right. So how did you get to Vox Media? I mean, before it was even Vox Media, uh, how did you, you – you started out with SB Nation, right? Yeah. yeah actually, um, I, I found my way to um, – to SB Nation via politics, actually, um, I was, you know, had become friends with uh, two of the co-founders, Marcos Melisas of uh, Daily Co's and Jerome Armstrong of MyDD.com. Um, they were two kind of, you know, uh, you know, they had really disrupted the political space um, with their blogs and their communities, and um, I had been involved um, in politics in Texas, um, met them as they were touring, writing uh, their first book together. And um, Jerome went on to be uh, a political blogger or, you know, a, a kind of a campaign blogger, I guess. Um, really is bigger than blogger. He really was involved in, in, in the campaign, um, you know, really from an Internet strategy perspective. Um, uh, for Mark Warner, who was, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, running for president. And... Um, I joined him to kind of build out the technology and the platform for that campaign. And, uh, you know, after Mark Warner dropped out, um, I was in, I had moved out to DC from Austin, Texas and, uh, um, had some friends, uh, you know, who had worked on the campaign as well. And, uh, we just kind of, you know, we were, we were doing some, some contract, um, political work at the time. And uh, we just proposed to them, hey, you know, uh, to Marcos and Jerome, and then they had another co-founder, Tyler Blazinski, um, that, you know, we could help them kind of, um, you know, build out the platform, um, you know, help professionalize the company. And uh, that's how I got involved. And, and uh, so my friends uh, who I'd worked with before, worked on the campaign, Pablo Mercado and Michael Lovett, um, and then a designer, Ryan Gantz, who had worked also with us in politics, um, we started building a new platform for them um, for SB Nation in, uh, uh, in 2007, 2008. And um, it was in my basement of my house. So that's how I got started. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, what I love about, about the evolution of SB Nation is that I love stories where uh, a concept is advanced in one topic area and then moved to another. And to see the DNA of something like Daily Coast so clearly in the community structure of SB Nation is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. How, how do you – for folks who, who haven't been to the site who you know, certainly maybe didn't go to it back then, maybe if they, even if they know what it's like now, what was, what, what was SB Nation at, at the time that you're talking about? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I, you know, and one part that I kind of left out was that um, – you know, I I am a large Astros fan. Um, you know, I, I I'm a, a big baseball fan generally, I guess. And um, I read the Astros site that was part of SB Nation, um, and um, that's how I you know and, and kind of put the pieces together. I knew that they kind of on the side were doing this SB Nation thing um, in addition to what they were doing in politics, and um, you know. I was familiar with the format, which was, you know, a, a unique format, I think, at the time, um, relatively unique um, in the media space and the blogging world, um, mainly because, you know, Daily Coast and, and MyDD, they both ran on a platform called Scoop. 
which is actually uh, a kind of a, a variation. Rusty Foster kind of built it, and um, it was a variation on Slashdot, which you know was was a, a unique kind of technology, you know, community and, and content site, um, and still around, but it was a really big deal, um, you know, mainly for this platform, I think, you know, was a big driver of it. And it, what, what was unique about it was a, it was a combination of, you know, kind of reverse chronological blog content, um, really kind of, you know, more advanced commenting, um, you know, functionality. And then a really big kind of piece of it was the community was able to um, really write their own blog posts, and you could comment on them like you would any other blog post. And it was, you know, so the community was front and center in a lot of ways. And um, that made for a unique mixture of content and community. Whenever I hear people talking about, uh, you know, when Nick Denton wants to talk about their commenting platform, he wants to raise raise the level of the comment to the same level of as any other piece of content and let that be a point of interaction. I thought, well, Slashdot, you know, did that a long time ago. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it, but, and it's, and you know, the thing is, it's, um, it's really compelling, you know, if you are, you know, you're a member, you, you, you know, you love the content of a site and you, you have something to say, it's a more compelling way to, um, you know, to, to spend your time and energy, um, you know, expressing your own ideas or taking the time to write, you know, a long post when it's presented in that format. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's different than leaving a big long comment, you know? Um, and so I think it, it, it played a big role in why daily Co's and, and my DD were, you know, important in disrupting kind of the political media ecosystem. And I think that, you know, I believe that's why I was so excited about SB Nation is because it was the same idea, same kind of tools. And but at the heart of it was also this other part, which was that, um, you know, SB Nation it wasn't one site called SB dot com at the time. Even now, um, it was, you know, this constellation of of sites that were all about. You know, each site was had its own domain name, its own logo, its own colors, um, the team colors. It was, you know, focused on one team or, you know, one particular um, sport. And the reason that was important was that, you know, these were these tribes and people would kind of gather around them. You know, the content drove it, the conversation, and then the community would interact. Um, and that was a that was something that you know, was and is unique um, to to SB Nation. The tools really enabled that that kind of model. Yeah. And it seems like if, there, if there's a common theme across all your sites, it's about being, you want to be in, in areas where people are deeply passionate about whatever they're, 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 you're, you're writing about, whatever your subject matter is. And with sports, it just naturally evolves that the passion is often at the team level as opposed to the sport level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, our CEO, Jim, often says, you know, jokes like, you know, you you ask everybody in a room, like, are you a fan of the NFL? You know, there's not a lot of hands go up, you know, but if you're, you know, are you a fan of the Texans or the Cowboys or Patriots or whatever, you're going to get a lot of hands raised, you know? Um, so it's, it's, that's, that's, and that's, you know, these are, um, 
that's where a lot of the energy and the and the passion is. Yeah, at the team level. So let, let's fast forward a little bit. You know, about a year or so ago, you guys debuted The Verge, which is a, a technology site. Uh, then uh, just last year, uh, Polygon, which is a site about, about video games and, and the video game culture, I suppose. Um, the unifying uh, back end to all this is what, what you just described as, as Chorus. Um, one thing I've, you know, I've never used Chorus. I, I don't work for Vox Media, but so at, for, at a certain level, when I've heard it described as a CMS, there's sort of a level of abstraction there about, well, it's a CMS. Like, you know, what, you know, what's the difference between it and WordPress or Movable Type or Drupal or whatever else? From a from a user's point of view, what is it about Chorus that gives your sites an uh, an advantage over folks who might be using different kinds of tools? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I think. The first thing is that, you know, I don't really, I, I think we don't, we don't think of it as a CMS anymore. You know, I think that, um, it core or, or I should say chorus has evolved well beyond a CMS at this point. Um, you know, I think that even if you go back to what I was talking about, you know, we, the sites were on, you know, um, they were on scoop and we, we built a new platform and migrated, all of the sites to our platform. Um, we had the advantage of, you know, being, I lived in these communities for six months, you know, just learning why they were working so well and what was re- really interesting about them and what people wanted and were interested in. And the, that platform was powerful, um, you know, because it w- it went beyond a content management system to being, you know, you could say it was a community management system. There was a whole community layer to it that was very sophisticated. And we, you know, we borrowed a lot of that functionality. I mean, we we spent a lot of time taking the opportunity to take what was good, leave what we weren't, you know, as excited about and bring and then evolve that and so, you know, right out of the gate, I think that, um, you know, we think of it as being something much broader than a CMS. Um, you know, first of all, like from a user perspective, I think, you know, there's the content, um, you know, there's the storytelling, but there's also the community, right? And and all of that kind of functionality and, and those features are really important to the users um, of the site. And, um, you know, we've, and we worked hard to, um, continually improve them. Um, beyond that, we, you know, you, from a, you know, from an audience perspective, there's kind of the content, the community, there's the, um, also what we, you know, kind of behind the scenes called structured data, but, you know, in sports, it means, you know, that, that there are, you know, you know, leagues, teams, players, and games, and we organize all of our content and all of our community around that. We provide, you know, the stats and it's easy to kind of, you know, uh, find, you know, by player, all of the content from our network, which is, you know, a valuable thing because we have all these sites over 300 sites and they often are writing about the same players and the same teams. Um, for the verge, we have a, a, you know, a products database, um, that we maintain and manage. And the editorial team is very, takes it very seriously. You know, when we were designing how it worked, like what specs we, um, you know, were going to collect and how we presented it, all of those things were considered just as thoughtfully as the content. Um, 
same goes for um, uh, for Polygon with the game games database and how seriously we kind of took that endeavor and the amount of time that we invested into developing it and then continuing to maintain it ourselves. Um, so that, you know, from a audience perspective, I think you get to interact with those different pieces and they kind of all are seamlessly integrated um, on the front end. You can jump from between those things. I'm curious on when the verge launched, I did a, a, a post saying how exciting I thought it was. And one of the things I highlighted was the product database and thinking of that as a content type. I'm curious, you know, from a, having a year behind you of having it, you know, be used, do you find that, that those, those content, that, that those database entries get used a lot in the general flow of the experience? I mean, if I read a story that mentions a certain phone, it's nice to be able to have the, the, a link to the phone page there that will have a link to the review and that have user reviews and things. But I, I'm real, I personally am really tempted to sort of go that way. Are you finding that people are using it a lot? Um, you know, we get really good usage with it. Um, it's really interesting. We just, you know, we've been doing planning and, and, you know, just starting to kind of, um, dig into, um, you know, what our themes are going to be for this year. Um, and the, and the product database and is, you know, one that we, has been really interesting because I think that what we're, what we're moving to is kind of, as you described it as more of a, you know, another type of content, I think we're going to be moving even more in that direction. Um, I think, you know, looking at how people use it, um, you know, I think we made, you know, some kind of product design decisions that were, um, you know, more geared towards like almost like how we would think of the interface for products if you were going to be buying them, which is not really what we're about. And I think that what we're going to be more focused on is, you know, the way in which we kind of package and promote that content, you know, in the normal flow of the experience that people come to the verge for. A great example of this is we have this comparison tool where you can compare the different products. And, you know, some of our, some of the most kind of popular content in the the database are, you know, we have, you can create, you know, unique URLs for each of the comparisons and link to them. And, you know, it has a title. It's easy to, you know, share it on the social um, it's, it gets picked up really well in search and that's some of our most popular kind of content out of the database is comparisons, you know, a new product launches like an iPhone, you know, you compare it to the other Android phones or past iPhones or whatever. And, and those are, that's the kind of thing that works really well. And I think we're going to be doing more, we're going to be developing tools for ourselves to be able to create that content more effectively with what we have in the database. Mm. Right now there's no e-commerce platform on that, right? I can't click buy on the iPhone page, right? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But that's, I think that's something we're, you know, it's an interesting thing that, um, you know, we didn't do that out of the gate. We weren't really setting it up to, to necessarily be that. The interesting thing is how many users have asked us for that. Um, you know, that they are, you know, they, they read our content, you know, they read reviews or they, you know, um, see a feature kind of comparing, you know, we have, we have some cool features that are like, you know, sort of a review of all of, you know, a certain type of thing, like a stylus or something. Um, and, you know, we get people saying, you know, it'd be great if I could just, you know, click to buy that. Um, and so I think what we're thinking about is, you know, how can we provide some value there? You know, can we do something interesting? Can we make that easier 
for folks who do want to buy it. But, um, you know, our, our main intent was to treat it as, you know, valuable content and to have it be a, um, you know, a very accurate and, um, you know, well curated uh, database of information about about what you know we talk about. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask regarding Core specifically about the how it is for a reporter who's writing a longer feature. You guys have have done a lot of of longer features that are more thoroughly designed than say your average long Washington Post story might be designed. Um, if I'm a if I'm a reporter dealing with chorus and I'm writing, I've written my X thousand words. You know what what does the interface look like? How do what are the tools there that are available to me that are different than if I'm writing you know 200 words about some press release that you know Samsung put out today? Yeah, so we what we're thinking about is like um, we we're thinking about how we make that a sustainable. Um, thing you know we we're really um, we've had had great um, feedback from our audience um, great feedback from advertisers about about these um, they're some of our best performing um, you know content um, it you know I think that we on you know and we're we're now doing this across all of our sites it, we started with the verge because it this really was you know originally kind of a vision of um you know the editor in chief Joshua Topolsky and he you know kind of came to us as like you know look at he he showed us some stuff that you know Jason Santa Maria had done um you know on his own site just these kind of individually designed things and you know we we wanted to find something that where we could actually make it a sustainable effort, um, not kind of a one-off thing, not something outside of our platform, you know, something that was like, you know, was a main, um, in a main kind of piece of the, the recipe, main ingredient to what we were doing. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, with that kind of vision and intent, I think what we, what we figured out was two things. One is, you know, how to make it possible for um, us to kind of train and, um, you know, enable, you know, the contributors to, you know, these authors to actually lay out their own um, features. And so for that, we kind of what we developed was kind of a baseline style. Um, and the way that we do it is we kind of we have like these kind of Lego blocks of um, kind of, you know, what we call snippets, um, but are just little kind of modular layout templates. Um, and you can kind of combo those templates together, um, and lay out your own feature. Um, so in the editor, it's a WYSIWYG interface. Um, but you can switch over to HTML and you just see, you know, a list of these different snippets and you bring them over into your piece and then you replace, the uh, you know kind of template text and template photos with your own material and lay them out. Now, not everybody can you know do that um, or has the time to do it. Um, so you know we have we we kind of assist with that um, to make it something that's scalable. Um, and we're always we're we're spending a lot of time this year like and you know kind of learning from that and improving it. And then there's a second layer, and, and, and so that's the, we, we 
publish a lot of features kind of in that standard layout that, you know, Polygon followed kind of the same model. Um, when you say a lot, how many is a lot? Like for The Verge, for example. Um, you know, I mean, if if you go to The Verge and you look at, if you go to like theverge.com slash features, um, you know, I think that we're probably doing it, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 of them a month. Um, not all of them are these full blown out design, but they're, you know, what we call features, which are, you know, longer form, more thought out pieces, um, you know, and they include things like reports and stuff like that that they're doing. Um, and with these baseline kind of uh, base templates, which still look really good and are unique because you can put these different combinations of snippets together. But we also have these kind of blown out um, features, these longer ones um, that, what you know, we actually, um, uh, you know, source, uh, you know, the, the Mozilla project. They just did a, uh, a Q&A with us about a piece that Laura June did um, about arcades. And um, that's kind of, an, you know, and, and those are our longer form pieces. Um, we, what we do there is we collaborate, um, quite a bit. Uh, you know, the, the authors are kind of come up with their ideas. They spend some time writing it. And we, we also do video as part of that. So our, our studio, you know, the Verge video team working with Vox Studios is putting together, you know, sometimes these really, um, I mean, well, everything they produce is incredible, but some, not every feature has a video in it. Um, in this case, we did. And, uh, and then we marry that with, you know, um, kind of a unique design and layout. For that, you know, we have dedicated members of these teams for each of the properties um, that, that that's what they do. They work with the editorial team to, uh, to produce these. And we've built... We've, we have iterated on tools for them to make that process more efficient. So when I say them, tools for the, you know, the designers who are uh, on the team with, you know, and collaborate with the editorial team to put these things together. Um, so nobody's starting with a blank slate of HTML and just being told to design something up. No, well, they, they, the designers will kind of, you know, they take some of the snippets that we have our baseline snippets and then they, they work up a, a layout, but sometimes they do start, you know, closer to scratch to design something um, unique for a, a piece, depending on what it is. And then they have access to be able to modify the CSS, you know, um, in a way that they can really give it its own unique um, experience and, and feel and, um, you know, and have elements of the piece that, um, are completely different. You know, we had a um, we had one piece where like you could, t you know, turn off the lights on it. It was like a, a Halloween related piece, I think, and you could like, you know, flip the uh, you know the background to black and and white and white to black. Like it was, you know, they're just doing they're you know we're it's we have tools to experiment and be creative and to have the layout match you know, the tone of the piece and the quality of the piece and to highlight the video. Right, right. I, I'm curious, with all the, the, the hubbub, uh, you know, about the wonderful Snowfall package that uh, the New York Times did, um, 
so much of the discussion around that was based around how many man hours uh, it, it seemed to have taken to construct. And obviously now they were using, they were building that in part as part of a larger redesign effort. And a lot of that work will end up getting reused, but the, the sort of templatization of, of impressive interactive online design seems to be something that you guys have invested a lot in. You said the, the ROI, um, you said that these features are some of the best performing pieces on the site, and that makes total sense. Are you able to evaluate it in terms of an ROI of, you know, given the extra amount of time that it takes to produce longer features, do do these pay for themselves more often, uh, you know, at a higher rate than or at a, even at an equal rate to the shorter things that are sort of more classically online content? Well, you know, that it's an interesting question because, like, you know, what – what what type of return are you you know uh you, you think are you thinking about in that case right because there is you know a <clears throat> you know by the metrics of um you know unique visitors by uh page views by um you know new visitors um you know folks that are uh, you know, there's deeper engagement, you know, time spent, or they found this. So then they start clicking around to our other features. And so we, we get deeper engagement, um, through that. Um, there's also just like the whole aspect of, and, and, you know, and then, uh, you know, around all of that, right. Then there's the advertising dollars that kind of match to the, to that and, and the interest that it's generated, um, to, you know, find ways to, um, integrate advertising thoughtfully, into an experience like that. Um, the, there's also a branding kind of thing happening here where there's, you know, we're, we are, um, these are, you know, new brands, you know, new media entities out there and, and we're building a name. Um, and we're, you know, specifically building, we're trying to build a name around, um, you know, we're trying to kind of establish, um, what our vision, which is, you know, being a more premium digital publisher, you know, there's, there's a lot of like innovation happening right now, um, you know, around being social, more social oriented, um, with, you know, kind of more viral pieces, I guess, and, and, you know, maybe shorter things working or, or, or things like that. But I think what, you know, what, what we are saying is, and, you know, we even go out and say this exact phrase, which is like substance is viral as well. And I think, um, we are building a name around that, or we're trying to, you know, we think that we've been successful with it. And, um, you know, that's what at Vox, like we care about, you know, telling great stories online and providing something that the audience can't necessarily get elsewhere. Right. Um, and so that I think the investment in is is in all of that, right? So from that from that perspective, uh, you know, the um if you take all of that together, um all of those metrics are really good, you know. And so the return on the investment has been um high and we're you know, um we're excited about it. That said, you know, we are always trying to make the process, like I said, we want to make it sustainable. You know, we, we want to, we want, um, you know, our writers to be able to do this type of work. We want to do this type of video production. We, you know, we believe that it's, you know, important to do this type of work. 
if we believe that it's important, then we need to figure out how to make it sustainable. And part of that is um, figuring out the process and the tools to make it um, not only better, but more efficient. And I'm sure it also helps in attracting talent, the kind of people who would be interested in doing those kinds of stories as opposed to just doing sort of aggregation and the half step above aggregation stuff you see on on some other sites. Uh, You you said specifically, uh, you talked about uh, advertising with regard to the features. Do you guys sell ads specifically against either individual features or features as a group as opposed to the rest of, of your content? So we're starting to do that. Yeah, we're, we're, I think what we're, we have, it's, it's hard to sell that specific, right? You know, you want to make it, you know, in this business, you want to make it as easy to buy as possible, as easy to understand, as easy to go and see it. So a specific piece, it's hard to, you know, I, I don't think we're at the point yet where we're able to say you're going to get exactly this many impressions. And when you're not able to do that, you know, um, to forecast, you know, exactly how something's going to do. Um, it's still difficult to sell against, you know, a specific, um, a specific feature. And I, you know, and, and when we're trying to scale up the number of them we're doing, you know, some of them hit better than others overall, they do well. Um, so it's easier to kind of sell that as, you know, features. Um, I think, you know, what, I think we're going to continue to experiment with better ways to package up the, you know, um, the ability to sell against features, um, you know, probably more thematically, you know, um, you know, we, we do features that are around, you know, um, a certain, you know, like around CES, for example, that we just had, or, or, um, you know, in sports, um, you know, it's around, you know, we can do that. It, there's very well-known packages to sell against in sports. Um, sports calendar is very well-defined and, uh, you know, advertisers, you know, are putting dollars against, um, that calendar very deliberately. Same goes for video games in a lot of ways because of their releases and, and the cycles of that. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's, there's E3 and things like that. There's just events that you can do. So, yeah. Um, when you, when you said, earlier, when you talked about social traffic, that, that's something that has really struck me as a, as a pretty regular reader of the verge in that, while I'm sure you're not going to turn away traffic coming from from social networks and and medias and media, uh, it does seem that y- that you're worrying more about trying to construct an overall brand that people are going to come back to the front door on a regular basis. Uh, you know, part of it is building up the the personas of the of the editors and editorial staff, the mix of the features. Uh, I, I'm curious that the content rhythm of the site, the mix of the short newsy items, the aggregation, the longer features, the reviews. Is that something that is is the the creation of the editorial team that you guys have hired, or is that something that was conceived of in the product development process, the kind of mix that you'd have? Um, well, for The Verge, and, and, and the same, you know, the same is true of Polygon. Um, you know, when, when we got, got together early on, you know, we discussed that mix. It, it's primarily driven by editorial, though. You know, they, we, the product team gives them the tools to enable, you know, enable that, those ideas and to be flexible in it and to, you know, adjust it and to organize it and to be able to measure it and, and tweak it. And, you know, and sometimes we build new things to support it, um, as it, as it changes. Um, but there was, you know, across all of our properties, you know, we're very, we have a, you know, we're depending on, 
um, you know, what the topic is. We're putting together a mix of those things. You know, there's a kind of a, a, a very deliberate mix. Um, and we're, you know, investing in that, that mix, you know, um, purposefully and, and then watching how it works and then making adjustments to it. You know, the verge has made adjustments to how much of that, you know, what, what their mix is and Polygon still learning SB nation, you know, is very, we have a lot of learnings around that and, you know, have, um, have adjusted it over time and, and, um, you know, have, have, you know, we, again, we have like a sports calendar for SB Nation. So, um, you know, we're very good at, at understanding, you know, what people are looking for and when and, and, you know, what, what kind of mix of things um, works for that. And, uh, and then we develop, you know, the, the way that, the, the way that that works from a product perspective is that we kind of watch that and see how it performs. And then you know, the editorial team, you know, we'll kind of express like, you know, the challenges of that. And then we try to build tools to help them more effectively support what mix they're trying to do, but also formats. I mean, that's how we came up with our, um, our real-time news format story streams was because of the pace of, uh, the mix of things that sports trying to do, which is very fast paced, very real time. You've got games and all kinds of things happening and needed a different format for that. And so we kind of proposed that and then worked with the editorial team to kind of, uh, iterate on what that would look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the point of investing in content, what, what kind of scale of an editorial staff do you, do you guys have right now? Like how many people work for SB Nation or The Verge or Polygon on the editorial <laughs> side? You know, I, I, I unfortunately, I, I don't know. I don't like literally don't know the exact numbers. Um, I will say that uh, here's one number that I do know, um, you know, with certainty because uh, I just got off. You know, we just did a big redesign project for SB Nation. And, um, a big unification of all the disparate sites. Yeah, it was, yeah, we call it SB nation United because we kind of, um, you know, we did a, a, a branding, you know, rebranding of all the new logos for everybody and kind of a visual refresh and, um, and then develop some tools to be able to share content between the sites more easily. Um, um, but one number I do know is that we one of the things that we we did during that was was uh, we rolled out a lot of new tools, you know, um, to all of the sites. Um, these were tools that had existed um, in chorus, um, but we had only we had kind of rolled them out only to certain sites um, to learn how they work, to iterate on them, to improve them. And then we rolled them out to all 300 sites. And StoryStream is a good example of that. Um we had some other tools around, you know, organizing the homepage and things like that. Um, and so we did a big training and uh, spent a lot of time, you know, um, kind of doing a professional uh, training regimen. Uh, regimen sounds horrible, but it was just, you know, courses and it was online. And during that process, we had to kind of figure out how many people do we need to, you know, help with these tools. And, um, you know, it was close to 1,600 contributors across all of SB Nation, which is a lot of people. Um, and then you have, you know, all of the editorial staffs, um, you know, almost over 300 of those. And and uh, those are um, – only some of those are, are contract, you know, to us. And then full-time employees, we have, you know, um, 
a good number of those. So on, on SB Nation, The Verge, and Polygon. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, your chief content officer, Marty Moe, said last month that The Verge is, quote, very profitable. So congratulations on that. <laughs> uh, am I, is that all advertising money? Am I, is there any other revenue stream beyond advertising? It's it's almost um, 100% advertising. There's there's little bits here and there, but they you know um, are not, and will probably never be you know kind of uh, any core revenue source for us. Um, I, we're very focused on advertising right now, and um, you know we we've been you know we've been successful at um, building a, re- a very talented sales force that understands our products really well, you know, understands our brands really well, um, and can take those to market. And, and, um, I think that's easier said than done. Um, and especially as we are, you know, in a time where we're, we're creating, you know, creating new ad products, um, thinking, thinking, um, of new ways to, um, you know, to, to, to integrate that into the experience, you know, and balance that against kind of, um, the, 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 uh, the kind of the premium experience that we're really focused on creating. I wanted to ask about specifically the sponsored content slice of the advertising. As we're talking, we're a few days away from the Atlantic, uh, sort of, uh, biting it publicly with their Scientology sponsored content. Uh, I'm curious how, a how how big of a slice of your of your advertising pie is sponsored content and and how you are navigating? I know when we were talking a week or so ago, uh, you mentioned a campaign that was done with the army that seemed to have been effective. Yeah, um, you know it's a it's I I I don't I don't have an exact number for you, but I will say that it's you know it is it has been a substantial portion of what we do. It's growing. Um, it's it's something that, you know, we've been doing for a long time on SB Nation um, and are very, you know, have developed our kind of process and tools and guidelines around that, um, had time to do it. Um, and, you know, the the display media is still, you know, I think majority of our um, of, of our revenue but when you it's it's often paired with um you know the sponsored content um for us on SB Nation and um you know so they they kind of go hand in hand right um it's hard hard to kind of separate that out but um it's you know it's something that um you know we've we've been had the opportunity to experiment with for a long time and to kind of turn into something um that is you know, a core part of like, of, of, of what products we take out, um, and sell. Um, you know, the, the, I think the example you mentioned is Marines. Um, oh, sorry. You know, wrong armed forces. <laughs> wrong, wrong branch. Um, no, it's, you know, and they, it was a, it was a cool program, um, where, you know, we developed some great video with them, um, you know, that was specific to, you know, they were, um, you know, kind of the core principles of the Marines. We had a former Marine, um, who was part of, um, our, our sports, uh, video crew. Um, he was a host, Matt Ufford and, um, you know, and would kind of intro these pieces. And then, um, you know, we, we did some great, 
kind of profiles of, of athletes, you know, around these, um, these core principles. And so it was, you know, it was good content. Um, and, um, you know, we, we, we worked to kind of produce something that was really interesting to our audience. And, um, and I think that, you know, it was, it was kind of the perfect, um, the perfect balance, you know, perform well. And, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, that, uh, that we like to do. And, you know, we, we kind of bring, um, creative touch to that, that I think is unique because we have a unique perspective, you know, for SB Nation, it's, it's, you know, a fan perspective. And so I think we know what kind of resonates there. You know? Is that something, do you have policies on how much you'd, you'd want your editorial folks to be involved in something like that? Like, would, would there ever be Josh Topolsky introduces sponsored by Samsung? No, I, no, we would not do that. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, um, we, we have, um, learned what, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Um, and we have like a really clear idea of what that should be. Um, you know, the verge has a very clear, um, you know, uh, disclosure of, um, you know, what their, their ethics statement is. And it's really important, um, for them and for Polygon and, you know, in some cases, um, for SB Nation. And, and I, I say that in some cases just because, you know, in sports, um, you know, there's more of a legacy of um, sponsorship and, um, you know, the way that um, advertising is integrated into the fan experience. And, um, you know, we we tread very carefully there. We, we never want to, you know, um, break any trust there. You know, we we again, we're building up these brands, you know, we have to be very thoughtful about it. We don't have, you know, these well-established brands. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, we get to do whatever we want with them. Um, you know, I think it, we're, we're, we're probably more sensitive, um, about it. And, uh, I think that, you know, for it to work, even, I think you have to do that properly. I think you have to really, you have to really think about it because, um, you know, you, it's got to work for the brand. It's got to work for the audience. And, um, you know, we've, we've, I think been successful at finding that balance of, of how to develop, you know, sponsored content with our brands that, that works without, um, you know, going into, into any territory that would, that would be, you know, misleading or confusing to our readers. Yeah. Speaking of your audience, uh, I, I saw, I think it was one of the Vox Media um, Twitter feed that I, I, a while back. I, I, I tweeted a version of it. Uh, there was one user on SB Nation, SDCAT09, who, at least at the beginning of our conversation, had left 225,837 comments. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's increased while we've been talking for the last yeah. 40 minutes or so. Um, and that that speaks to what you are talking about earlier about the the – really kind of amazing communities that you've built, uh, particularly on SB Nation around, around teams and fandoms. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how you go about moderating all those comments since that's something that every new site has to think about at some level or another. And just the sheer scale of, of what you're dealing with across all the sites, I'm sure. What's your, how do you handle comment moderation? So, I, you know, it's, um, again, this is something where we were lucky to, have the wisdom of 
you know, these political communities and these, you know, the, um, you know, that those lessons were fresh in our mind, you know, um, and, and I had been working in politics and, you know, very familiar with, you know, wading into these, these, uh, very passionate communities. And, you know, I think that, um, first of all, like if, I think the most important thing is you take community seriously. Like, do you prioritize it? Like, is it a part of what you are doing as a media company? I think a lot of media companies struggle with comments and moderating them because they think that, you know, they should just turn comments on and then they just hope that it will go well or that they can throw some technology at it or somebody else will solve the problem or whatever. But Context is so important. You know, you have to, if you want to have high quality conversation, you have to cultivate it. Um, and uh, I think that, first of all, that's our approach. That's our attitude from day one is that, you know, we care about community. Um, it's something that we want to do well. We want to provide a great community experience. And comments are, you know, obviously a huge part of that. Um, so, you know, on SB Nation, what we do is each community actually develops its own um, community guidelines. Um, that's really important because, you know, they're all their own communities. They have their own culture. They have their own identity. Um, you know, they establish their own, um, you know, rules of what it means to have a, uh, a high-quality conversation. And... Um, and so if you have an SB Nation account, you have to join each community individually. Um, you can sign up for one account, but, um, you know, and you can click a button to join, but you have to accept the community guidelines. And so you can be banned from each community individually. So if you're, for example, like a Yankees fan and, you know, you're, you're a member of the Yankees uh, community, then you go over to the Red Sox uh, community and you join that one and you are – you know, if you're, it's kind of like going to a bar, like if you're, if you're going to be well behaved, you know, it can actually be kind of fun. Um, but if you are just talking trash the whole time, they're just going to throw you out. And um, it doesn't mean you're thrown out of your Yankees, you know, bar, you're just, just you can't go to that Red Sox one. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's that's one part of it. It's a big part of it. We also provide, and, and you know, on The Verge, there's, you know, these individual um, forums that we've set up by topic, and on Polygon, there's each of the games, and there's a really strong community there called the Polynauts, and they're awesome, and, you know, talk about, they have their kind of, they have their own culture, you know, um, and we have, we, you know, what is true across all of Chorus, though, is that we build tools to help um, and the tools that we provide are, you know, not only that model of kind of joining the communities, but um, also you can deputize um, users to help be uh, moderators. And, um, you know, and we give it's a pretty nice suite of tools to, you know, view users and, you know, what their history is and, you know, if they're trying to create multiple accounts and, you know, we give you lots of tools to be able to, you know, warn them, communicate with users and warning them and banning them and, um, and, and importantly, unbanning them, actually. Um, you know, I think that that's an important thing. Like, you know, people can be rehabilitated in being, you know, uh, some people can. Um, 
you know, but it's, it's oftentimes it's conversations about learning, feeling out, you know, uh, what the boundaries of that are. You know, I, I tell people that and they kind of laugh. They're like, you know, that's crazy, but it's, it's true. I mean, we've had some of our best community members, you know, kind of showed up, didn't, understand that this was a different kind of place you know they thought it was you know like just another sports forum or another technology site you know and and start spouting off and you know we you know you can bring those people back they they learn and they're valuable contributors to it and um you know it's it's been um it's been valuable to have that yeah i mean just from the verge uh, compared to other technology websites there's often at least a little bit of a buffer before comments sort of break down into app you know apple versus microsoft or apple <laughs> that, versus google or whatever that's a that's a hard thing i think here's another thing is that the vision for the verge there's a couple things on the verge that i think are important this is true of of, of all of our sites but i'll just use verge as an example is that the vision for that site is broad, right? It's it's a technology. They talk about gadgets, but it's really you know the vision is technology and arts and science and culture, and a really thoughtful view on how all of this is you know all these things work together in our life. And the content you know is um, not just you know it's not a typical technology blog. It's you know Microsoft versus Google you know kind of thing. They're not. You know, they they have a, um, you know, a broader idea of what a great site like this could be. It's the same for Polygon with with video games. You know, they're thinking about the people who make the games and talking about the broader culture of it. On our sports sites, you know, it's not, you know, there's a lot of sports startups that failed because they thought it would be really funny to put, you know, opposing fans together in a room and, like, let them trash talk or whatever, and that's actually really lame and terrible. Um, it's it's much more interesting, you know. The types of conversations that happen on our sports sites are awesome. They're just you know they're about they're really well um, educated on their teams on their you know in, in baseball in particular you know just talking about stats and talking about um, you know different uh, strategies and and football you know, our NFL sites or college sites, I mean, just across the board, really the, you know, it's, um, the context is really important. And, and this is related to that. The writers get into the comments, you know, and they, they interact with the community and that's important because it sets the tone. Um, it's, it's a level of respect and, um, it's really about seriously having a conversation, you know, these sites are like, join the conversation, you know, except with us, we're not there, you know, right. <laughs> like, talk amongst yourselves, <laughs> you know, talk amongst yourselves, I guess, you know, and like, there's, I, I don't know, why would anybody um, be surprised that that would be, you know, kind of terrible, yeah. you know, I, I want to ask a couple more questions before we wrap up. Uh, first of all, you said that you've been uh, thinking a lot about uh, 2013 and planning for the year. I guess a are you a I'll ask what what might we expect to see in the in the coming year to the extent you to the extent you can talk about that but I'm also curious whether you're seeing any trends in how people are engaging with with your your content uh you know you know mobile is is an obvious trend that a lot of you know are you thinking about doing anything that is more mobile centric or you know what, what can we expect to see if we talk again in a year Yeah I mean I I think for everybody like mobile to us is now, you know, we kind of made the transition in 2012 of um, that mobile is just part of what we do. You know, it's it's um, 
it's not this kind of separate thing for us anymore. Um, you know, I actually, you know, in 2011 had a mobile apps team, you know, and going into 2012, I was like, no, we're, that's, we don't do it that way anymore. You know, um, this is crazy. Uh, everything that we do now is, um, is, is mobile just as much as, you know, we think of, of anything else and it's going to be at the core of our experience. So does that so, mean that apps are, are less interesting to you now than the mobile web? No, I think that, no, I, I don't, I think that, um, you know, we're still learning with apps, you know, um, I think that content apps, uh, you know, can be really useless. <laughs> I think that, um, um, but I think there's a place for them. I think that, I think, you know, when you, talk to users and you talk to a broad swath of users, you know, they're all not uniform, right? And, and there's people interact with our, our content and our communities differently, you know, and we have a set of users that <clears throat> I think spend more time with our content, our community and, and are more invested in it and apps are important to them and, and they um, drives it in a different way. I think you can do really quality mobile apps, and I think that you can provide value above and beyond what you can on the mobile web. It, and so I think you know we 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 experimented with it on SB Nation, where we've got apps out for the Verge um, right now. We didn't do them for Polygon. Um, you know, we're I, I would say that we're you know we're, we're taking the opportunity to really compare and, and contrast what those different approaches have been obviously mobile web and, and, you know, we've, we've, um, you know, we, we redesigned SB nation. We made it responsive when we, uh, launched polygon, we made it responsive. Um, and we're learning from that too. I mean, I think that it's, you know, everybody kind of treats these things like, Oh, that's the right way to do it. You should definitely do this. Um, and then on the other hand, everybody talks about iterating and learning. And, and, uh, I think that, you know, we're more in the camp of, you know, we're in a great position where we have these different properties and we can try different things and learn from them and, uh, you know, adjust accordingly. And so I think, you know, <clears throat> so what are you going to see in 2013 from, from us, you know, in that realm, I think you're just going to, this year is a year of, of focus for us. We're very focused on our existing properties and we're very focused on growing them um, or really, I think that you're going to see, you know, um, some new and different ad products from us that, you know, I think we're working, thinking about that a lot, um, and, and how we integrate those. Um, I think one of the things that's, you know, is really interesting to us about the way that people are interacting with our sites is that this community component, um, has, you know, they're looking for more utility from our sites around that, you know, all these different conversations that they're a part of, you know, and, and where to get back into that, um, you know, a, a big focus on, you know, our community content and, and digging into that. Um, and then I think, you know, and, and so how we, how we do that across devices for them, how we make it easier to, to stay involved in those conversations um, and, and improving them. We just rolled out, you know, this is a small thing, but like a good example of listening to our users is editable comments. Um, you know, we rolled out a thing where, you know, for the first 90 seconds after you post a comment, you can edit it. Um, and got a really great um, feedback from that. We rolled it out on Polygon. We just rolled it out on The Verge. 
Um, we'll be rolling it out on SB Nation, and we'll be doing you know more little things like that. It's whatever. That's a that's a tiny feature, but an example of like you know caring about community. And then broader, I think, um, you know, we we've had a lot of success with our live blogs. Um, we've had some kind of uh, we've learned a lot from rolling out story streams to the Verge, Polygon, and all of our SB Nation sites. And I think that you know how all of those things mix together, um, how we how we kind of cover real-time narratives and how that works in social and how it works across mobile um, is a really interesting topic for us and something mm-hmm. that we're spending a lot of time thinking about. Um, so I think you'll see some more of more of that. And I think, but it'll be, you know, I think it'll be kind of a continuation of the way that, that we've been doing that and thinking of it. You yeah. Know? I'm thinking particularly for, for SB nation and for the verge, both those, I imagine a lot of their coverage is very event driven, you know, whether it's a Apple keynote or a football game or whatever else that that real time experience to be the, the second screen is probably really, really important to you guys. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's, yeah. that's it. That's, that's it. I, I think, I think we also, you know, what's interesting and not to go, uh, you know, I could go off on this for a whole long time, but I won't, but just this, you know, the different, the gradient of, of like, you know, real time, like, like evolving narrative is a thing that, you know, sometimes, it, you know, things happen, you know, uh, each day, each minute, each hour, whatever, there's these different kind of increments. And, you know, I think that um, one, like, this is just an interesting example is that we took our story stream, you know, idea on Polygon and games now are not static. You know, if you review a game, there's now downloadable content or, you know, they release it to different platforms. And, and so it's an evolving kind of, you know, we, what we did on Polygon is that the, their reviews evolve over time. Um, Hmm. And, that concept of, you know, things sort of evolving over time, you know, whether you're telling, you know, you're just covering a game or, you know, it's a, a story that that um, that breaks and then you want to, you know, kind of quickly update it or it's something that happens over, you know, a series of months. You know, we're thinking about how do people follow stories like that? You know, what does it mean to follow those stories and to... Um, you know, experience kind of staying up to date on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a new, it's a different level of kind of the, I don't know, topic hierarchy, you know, you're down at the story level. And, um, and so we're experimenting a lot with that. I think there's going to be some cool stuff. I mean, you know, we've got some really great ideas around that. I'm excited about doing more of that this year. Cool. Last question. I want to ask when we were we were at a at the Spark Camp conference together in uh, in California uh, not too long ago, and one of the things that we talked about was how there doesn't always seem to be a lot of overlap between the traditional media trying to figure out its way online, the nonprofit you know media world, and the world that you guys are in, which would seemingly should share a lot of interconnections, but in some ways is this is is a little bit separate and, and i'm curious you know how stealable you think your model is um you know your sites have all been aimed at 
you know, young men who have money <laughs> to spend, which right. is a beautiful demographic. And I, it makes total sense. You've executed beautifully <laughs> on it. It makes sense that you built a good business on it. I'm curious if you, if you think there are lessons specifically that might be uh, learned from what Vox has done and what your sites have done towards, you know, public interest journalism, you know, news sites in a more traditional sense, whether that's investigations or, you know, or, or just, you know, day-to-day community journalism. What what should a, a, an editor of a newspaper listen to this or the editor of a news website take from what you've done? Well, I think, you know, I I think that there are, there's not a, there's not a lot of, you know, um, overlap in like, I, I think we solve problems differently, but I think, you know, we're, we're coming from different starting points. And so I think, you know, we have the benefit of, you know, our, these kind of digital first, um, or digital, what well, we, you know, like digital native, like journalists, you know, they're the, the DNA of our company is bloggers. And so, you know, we had the opportunity to, you know, to build tools and to prioritize things kind of from that perspective. I think that's why community is a big aspect of what we do and that we take it very seriously because that community aspect was what gave a lot of these kind of disruptive blogger um, properties, you know, um, the power to be, you know, I I think it came through the community um, and is an important aspect of it. Um, And so I think, you know, that's potentially, you know, um, one thing. I think another thing is that, you know, because we don't have any legacy of um, process um, um, or just organizationally, I think it's more important. Um, We, collaboration is, you know, what I tell people really is our secret sauce, like our ability to collaborate between editorial and product. You know, the, the, they don't call us the IT department, you know, they don't, there's, we're not like on this separate area over here. You know, we, our teams work very closely together. And I think that that's, you know, an important thing to developing great products. I mean, the products themselves, you know, it's not like there's this CMS over here and then it outputs to this application that we build that then displays it or whatever. It's all integrated. There's very close connection between the tools you use to create and the way that it, um, the way that users interact with it. Um, and I think that, you know, you, you kind of, you break down those walls and, and that's where a lot of, um, you know, some of our best ideas have come from some of our best, most, you know, our success comes from, um, and, and I think, you know, the thing is there's, there's organizations now, you know, these kind of nonprofit news organizations that, that are out there that are just getting started and are doing really, um, innovative things. Um, you know, I've a lot of friends over at Texas Tribune and I, you know, I'm always impressed by the types of, of things that they're doing. Um, and, but it's, 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 it's just interesting because maybe it's about the topic is just, it's different. I'm, I think there's a lot of stuff for us to learn, um, about, <clears throat> you know, how we, how we use data, um, you know, thinking kind of, I think this is maybe out of necessity for some news organizations where they have this kind of news application mentality where they're building all these little apps, um, that are using data and present stories in unique ways and kind of, you know, they're not, they do this outside of their CMS. And, and I think that is very agile and nimble and really 
some really cool things come out of that and it they all work really well on mobile and you know i want those are those things are you know inspiring um to me i think that um you know we we aspire to to build you know the next generation of media brands you know that are meaningful and are as high quality as some of these organizations that um, are trying to find their way um you know and i i have a lot of respect for everybody who's who's trying to do that you know yeah well terrific well uh this has been great thanks a lot for uh for talking with me yeah it's been great man thanks a lot Well, that's episode four of Press Publish. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're not already familiar with all of them, do be sure to go check out Vox's sites. It's SB Nation, The Verge, and Polygon. Go see how they're structured. Look at some of the longer features we were talking about. The Vox product team also keeps a blog where they open up about how they do a lot of their work. And there's a lot of great stuff in there. You can find the address for that blog in the show notes at presspublish.org. In case you don't know, for every episode of Press Publish, I go through and pull out all the websites and people and entities that we talk about and link to them in the show notes uh, on the main site at Neiman Lab. Go check them out. If you have any suggestions for Press Publish, like people we should have on, please do get in touch. You can find all my contact info at NeimanLab.org. The Neiman Journalism Lab is a project of the Neiman Foundation for Journalism at Harvard University, home of the Neiman Fellowships, Neiman Reports Magazine, Neiman Storyboard, and much, much more. Find us at neiman.harvard.edu, and again, that's N-I-E-M-A-N, not like Neiman Marcus. Final reminder for American journalists, tomorrow, January 31st, is the deadline to apply for a Neiman Fellowship. January 31st. If you don't get an application in by then, you have to wait a whole nother year. You don't want to do that. This episode was recorded at Walter Lippmann House. Walter Lippmann, who said, For the newspaper is in all literalness the Bible of democracy. The book out of which a people determines its conduct. It is the only serious book most people read. It is the only book they read every day. Our theme music again is Missing You by Trash 80. Check back next week for another episode of Press Publish. But until then, always remember, disrupt yourself before someone else disrupts you. <laughs>